Hello everyone, uh, Pastor Jeffrey here with another episode in Take Heart. I'm excited to be with you today and hope to encourage you through God's Word. Uh, today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 and the, the title of my devotion is going to be called The Call of the Church at Home. And I know you guys can relate to this right now. We can somewhat relate to the first church that we see in Acts and even in Romans where the church actually met in houses. Now, the difference between them and us is that we're actually not able to go to each other's houses, um, but the idea here and in, in the, the encouragement for us specifically is for those of us who are at home uh, as a family, and that could be couples, and maybe you're at home by yourself. This could still apply to you. Um, but we want to look at uh, what church should look like at home since that's essentially your church right now I mean obviously you're streaming in and you're watching YouTube videos and you see the live stream and all, and all that but you're not interacting face to face and it's easy to be courteous you know over the over the computer through a sermon and, and you know typing things but what about the day-to-day -day things when you're cooped up at home 24 7 with the church family that you have at home uh, so we want to look at how we are to respond to that and how we're to treat one another. Uh, and we want to encourage and love uh, one another. And what Paul is going to show us uh, through this, this scripture is that we need to be unified. So as a family at home, as a church at home, we need to be unified. And that comes through humility and love. And it's so important. Uh, I've, as you know, we've all been watching you know, the news and we see different things and we hear different things and nothing ever lines up. It's, you know, one extreme to the other. Uh, but I was watching and I heard something about uh, China or and take this for what you want. Uh, I don't know if it's a fact or not, but I know that the concept is real, is that the divorce rates in China after the, qu the quarantine was up was actually, uh, the divorce rate was going up. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it makes sense, right? You're quarantined in your home for, I don't know, weeks, months. I don't know how long this is going to last. It's already been a month. Uh, it gets hard. And at the beginning, we all joked about, okay, you know, nine, nine months from now, there's going to be coronials, uh, <laughs> you know, because we're all going to be having babies and, you know, all that. And, and that's sweet and that's nice. But uh, the more realistic uh, outcome is the divorce rate going up. And and that's just because we are so easily influenced by our flesh and how we treat one another. But I know through the Spirit of God and submitting to God and submitting to one another that the outcome can be a lot better, that our marriages and our families can become stronger through this. It's all about how we're going to treat one another. And so Paul reminds us of that here in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then I just want to talk about it for a couple minutes. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, and being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Now this text is obviously speaking to the, to the Philippian church and they're obviously meeting together as a congregation and that's important to understand the context here. Um, and, and this will apply to us when we come back together and we have to treat each other this way uh, when we congregate again. But for the meantime, this is our call as the church at home. How are we treating one another? And Paul starts off this section in chapter 2 with four if statements. If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, and if any affection and mercy. And basically, Paul is assuming that the response to all those is yes. Now, we know that there is an encouragement in Christ, that there is a comfort of love. Right, This unity that you and I as a church or even as a family at home uh, comes from and it starts with an encouragement from Christ, a consolation in Christ. And that's exactly what that word means, consolation. It's an an exhortation, an, an encouragement. And Paul is saying that Jesus himself is an encouragement for them and us to be in unity. The Holy Spirit, this is Spurgeon speaking, he says, The Holy Spirit consoles, but Christ is the consolation. If I may use the figure, the Holy Spirit is the physician, but Christ is the medicine. Paul goes on to say that there is unity in love, the comfort of love. The word comfort in this passage is actually an ancient Greek word, paraklesis. And the idea behind this word for comfort in the New Testament is always more than soothing uh, sympathy. It has the idea of strengthening, of helping, of making strong. And and that's what we want to look at today is what are we doing for each other? Are we encouraging? Are Are we helping? Are we making each other strong? And it comes from this love, and that love, obviously, we know comes from Christ. It's an agape type of love. It's a selfless type of love. It's It's a God love. And the third thing that Paul points out in the third if statement, he says, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, and we know this word fellowship to be koinonia, has to do with association, community, joint participation, sharing things in common. Now, you may think, okay, well, I don't have a lot of things in common with my spouse or my kids, you know, we're different ages, different whatever. Uh, But the one thing, and even as we meet as a congregation, we are so vastly different, which is a beautiful thing. But there is one thing that we all have in common, whether here in the church or whether at home, and that is the Holy Spirit. We have him in common. The fourth thing that Paul says is that unity comes from the fourth if statement, if there is any affection and mercy. And I love how the King James, I'm reading the New King James, but I love how the King James Version puts these words. It says, bowels and uh, mercies. Bowels is a very uh, strong and graphic word, and it has to do with, uh, it's regarded by the Hebrews as the seat of the tender affections, kindness, benevolence, uh, compassion, uh, a heart in which mercy resides. If there is this type of mercy and kindness and compassion, this affection that Paul is talking about, he says mercy is at the end of it. And it's a type of mercy that's explained this way. It's compassion for the suffering of others. It does not have to do with the mercy that a criminal begs from the judge. Again, it's compassion for the suffering of others. And you might see that in your spouse in this moment. You might see that in your kids. You might see that in your parents where 
we're having this hard time with dealing through this circumstance and rather than scoffing or judging or rolling your eyes because somebody is hurting or not they're not able to get through this circumstance we need to have this type of compassion for the suffering of others you know we need to be tender and sympathetic and that's the question for you this this morning and today are your hearts tender and sympathetic towards one another or are they cold unity comes when we have the same kind of affection and compassion upon each other they're both words that have the focus on the other person and i like that that's exactly what paul is speaking to the church today are we looking out for one another is the focus on the other person are we being concerned about the other person and we'll see more about this in the next few verses in verse 2 paul says fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love and being of one accord and of one mind look unity is the goal unity was the goal before all of this but unity is the goal still through all of this and at the end of all of this when my wife and i were joking or pretty much i was joking that at the end of this would be lucky if we come out with one kid we have two kids you know but it's it's joking but it's real because it's hard it's hard we're staying at home we're getting on each other's nerves and but this all happens by us being self-centered things will progressively get worse the more that we are self-centered the best thing that you can do for somebody else and the best thing that you can do for your own self for your own mental health and your own mindset is to focus on others to love others to have a concern for others and that's the exactly what Paul again is showing us in this scripture in Philippians chapter 2 in verses 3 through 4 the descriptions of how there are the descriptions of how to achieve and practice the unity that's mentioned here in verse 2 again that is fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord in of one mind. Paul says, I want you guys to be like-minded. He says, fulfill my joy. Nothing would would bring me more joy than you guys being like-minded. And I want to read that as as an epistle to me in my home in my church that is at home right now. It can I fulfill Paul's joy by being like-minded? Again, where does that that same-mindedness come from? Is it come from having things in common that are in the world? No, it has to do with having the same things that are common in Christ, that are in his word, that are of the Holy Spirit. And what is that mindset? We see that in the next verses in verses 5 through 8, where Paul says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. And I know you guys have read and heard these scriptures before, but it's such a great reminder to understand that our savior, that God, the creator of everything, humbled himself to the point that he became one of us who was in the form of God and did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. right and found himself in his appearance of the man and then he died for those men he died for us while we were yet still sinners while we were enemies with god and that was the mindset that christ had 
And it's the same mindset that Paul wants us to have towards one another. Can we humble ourselves? Or are we exalting ourselves? Are we focusing on ourselves? And again, when that happens, nothing good comes from that. He goes on to say, after telling us to be like-minded, he says, having the same love. Well, what love is that? Obviously, it's the love that comes from God, that comes from Christ. We see in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-8, through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Like you are, you are not just asked to love, you are commanded to love because love is not based on a feeling. Love is based on, on a, a command and a commitment for the highest good of the, the person, the other person, right? So it can be commanded and, and God commands us to love, right? right? I mean, it's essentially the foundation of the two greatest commandments. They can be commanded because they're not based on feelings and how I am feeling or what mood I am in because I can consciously decide through the Spirit to love one another or to love God. The third thing that Paul says in verse 2 is that he wants us to be of one accord and this refers to being unified in the Spirit. We know this. We understand that, that we're unified through the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you be of one accord and of one mind. In verse 3, Paul says that let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Again, I, I like how the King James Version puts those two words, selfishness and conceit. I think it describes it a little bit clearer from what the original Greek was. The King James uses the words strife and vainglory. So essentially, you'd be saying, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, selfish ambition and conceit do explain that to an extent. It's a desire to put oneself forward. Again, it's, it's all about, am I humbling myself for the other person, and am I looking to their needs before mine? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Vainglory has this idea of just, obviously, an empty glory. It's groundless self-esteem. It's empty pride. It's a vain opinion. So Paul says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. He says that here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, he says the opposite. So nothing should be done with selfish ambition or conceit. But in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, he says, let all that you do be done with love. Right? Let all that you do be done with love with love. And we know this type of love is a selfless type of love. It's not the love that the world portrays where it's I give you something and you give me something. This type of agape love that comes from God only is centered on the other person only with no expectation in return. I mean, think about Christ. When he died for us, we were still sinners. There was no expectation or, or you know, I mean, who would think that a sinner or an enemy would love the person back. I mean, that, that's, that there's, there's no logical idea behind that. So Christ died for us where yet still sinners, shows us the selfless love that he had for us. And we see, even in the world now, that there's many people who even reject that concept. So we see that. Let all that you do be done with love. 
So as you're in this moment and you're in this time and you're at home with your family, think about that verse. Every single time that you do something, you say something, am I doing it in love or am I doing it uh, with selfish ambition or conceit? Is it coming from a place of my flesh and my own heart and my own desires? Or is it coming from a place of where I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm following the commands of Christ and I'm following the commands of the Scripture? Paul goes on to finish the verse by saying, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Lowliness of mind is humbling, uh, is a, having a humble opinion of one's self, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, modesty, and humility. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, which we already read, gives us this great example where Christ made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. But Paul finishes the verse saying, esteem others better than himself. Esteem others better than himself. I like this. I'm going to read this for you really quick. It says, if I consider you above me and you consider me above you, then a marvelous thing happens. We have a community, a church, and a home where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down upon. President Reagan used to have a sign on his desk that read this. It said, There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. In this time, are you being selfless? Or is there humility? Is there modesty? Are you looking out for the other person in their interests and in their needs? And Paul finishes this section in verse 4 by saying, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, we see the, the commonality that's happening in this scripture here. We need to die to ourselves. We need to pick up our cross. We need to follow Jesus. And by doing so, we esteem others higher than ourselves. We look out for the interests uh, of other people's interests more than ourselves. Listen, selfishness, it kills relationships. It will separate marriages. It will destroy relationships between kids and parents. I'm going to close with this. A.W. Tozer says this in his book, The Root of Righteousness, The Root of the Righteousness. He says, The widest thing in the universe is not space. It is the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited, unlimited extension in all directions. And one of the world's greatest tragedies is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for little besides ourselves. So think about that as what he says and what Paul says and what Christ commands us to do in his word. Are you dying to yourself? Are you loving others? Are you esteeming them? Are you looking out for their interests? Are you being of one mind and one accord? Are you having the same type of love? And this all comes from us being humble and dying to ourselves. And that's an encouragement for me. It's an, I know it should be an encouragement for you in this time with your church that is at home. And then it will specifically apply to all of us together collectively when we get to meet again. And hopefully that will be sometime soon. But if not, for now, we need to focus on our church that is within our homes. Love you guys, and I'll see you soon.